Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. This is Lisa, and you're listening to I Love That Movie. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast. And we have a Patreon. Uh, the show is always free, but if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Michael Cross, Philip Barker, and Jeff Widman. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And if you do subscribe to that, you get a bonus episode every week of my weekly roundup. And right now we just wrapped up uh, talking about WandaVision. So I had guests on every week and we chatted about each episode. We have fun on there. So go check it out. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Well, I've got a new guest with me here today. I've got Mike Snyder. Say hi, Mike. Hello. How's it going? Good. And so, Mike, if people have not heard your voice before, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Uh, yeah. I thought you were going to say, would you mind apologizing? Because I can't stand the sound <laughs> of my own voice. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> when, uh, no one likes the sound of their own voice. I relate to that. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. My name is uh, Mike Snyder, uh, I I'm just a just a big nerd. Uh, if you care about anything that I have to say or want to just insult me directly, uh, the Mike <laughs> Snyder on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's your automatic permission to at him. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, Mike, my guest always picks the movie. So, what movie did you choose to talk about today? Well, I was originally going to pick Airbud 4, but I kind of <laughs> felt like I'd go with something a little less obscure. Um, so I went with uh, the 1987 masterpiece that is Masters of the Universe. All right. I got quite a response on both Twitter and Facebook when I talked about watching this. So a positive one. Uh, you know, this is a nostalgic movie for a lot of people, I think, around... I'm going to say if you're in your 30s or 40s, it's, you know, you grew up with this. And so it holds a special place in your heart. I'm sure that you have a lot of things to say about it. And I do, too. Uh, I'm going to read the synopsis really quick. I want to remind everyone listening, this is not a spoiler free show. So, you know, definitely go watch it. I did have to watch this on YouTube <laughs> because it is no longer streaming anywhere, I guess, because they're like working on the reboot right the, well there's there's a lot of stuff going on with the brand of masters of the universe right now there's two oh, different okay. there's two completely different animated series that are coming to netflix this year there's like a cg animated one that's like focused at kids and then there's a like like a anime style one that kevin smith is like show running okay. that's like more for like 
people my age that like grew up with the original concept and there's a toy there's like two different toy lines and then they're they've been oh, trying wow. to get a, mo- a movie going for the past couple of years and uh you know they have like the guy cast as he-man but that's like it you know <laughs> interesting well i'm sure the pandemic doesn't help <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah well, okay, with all that said, you know, if you, if you don't want spoilers, you know, go back and watch it and then come back. I just have, honestly, just two sentences about it because, uh, or maybe even one sentence, because it's not like a long, complicated plot. I want to jump into it. <laughs> Basically, uh, you know, this is about the heroic warrior He-Man and his battle against the evil Lord Skeletor and his armies of darkness and trying to get control of Castle Grayskull. Um, there's another part of this movie that's not mentioned there that we will get to, I'm sure. <laughs> but I think most people are familiar with He-Man, so I don't think I have to give you too much background on that. I have to be 100% honest with you, though, and say that growing up, I did not watch He-Man or She-Ra. So I am like a weird kid that was born in the 80s that, that didn't watch that stuff. But tell me about your childhood with He-Man and your experience with this movie. Uh, well, it's funny that you say my childhood with He-Man because I, I, I kind of feel like my relationship with Masters of the Universe as a whole has just never gone away. In fact, it's funny today <laughs> I, I was I, I was running errands and there is a current He-Man toy line that I'm I'm collecting and there's this exclusive set that's like exclusive to Target that's already going for like five times its retail price on eBay. And I, oh, wow. I I was able to get it today and I got it at Target, paid the regular price and was like, all right. And then I was like, I am I am a 36 year old man and I am hyped about <laughs> toys. Um, but yeah, I so the so the original He-Man toy line came out like around 1982 and the, the series, the first animated series came out a little bit after that. And so I. I was born a little bit after that. So I kind of grew up, but I still grew up with it. Like with, you know, cause the show was still going and reruns and the toy line went for a while. And so I was like super into it as a kid, like I, He-Man and like Thundercats were like my two like shows and uh, all the different iterations of, of He-Man. I was always kind of interested in. It's an, it's an interesting property because it's basically just like this weird pop culture melting pot. And it just steals from everything because it's like, He's this barbarian that's kind of like Conan, but then he also kind of has this hero's journey that's like Luke Skywalker. And then it's like sword and sorcery, but then, then there's tanks and lasers and there's like, it's this, <laughs> it's just everything. And it's like, and there's no like set continuity, you know, it's like, it's not mm. like, you know, like how, like a lot of comic books, it's like, everybody's like, well, no, this is how it's done. It's like, well, there's the, the comic books that came with the toys the, the you know the he-man of that is completely different than the he-man from the animated series which is completely different than the movie that we're gonna eventually talk about here you know it's like yeah. he keeps getting re- reinterpreted and there's kind of like you know there's this like loose concept of all these characters so it, it leaves room and that was done by design because the toy the toy company kind of did that like okay here are the characters like here's he-man here's skeletor good guy bad guy but they were like you, the child playing with the toys, are are meant to come up with the story on your own. And that was, I, like, the whole concept of it. I liked so. that concept, actually. But I, I, um, I, I was too. curious about that because when I was reading about this movie, they were saying, you know, it doesn't match the show, like you mentioned, because, you know, it, it basically 
is separated from because I don't think the show is even out yet. And they were kind of like, here's some toys. They they're selling really well. Like, oh, let's make a movie. <laughs> and so like well, it's the, kind of the show had kind really. of like already run its course by the time oh, the movie okay. came out. By the time the movie came out. So it depends on like when they actually started developing the movie. But like there was like a the 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 film was directly really like because the property is owned by the toy company. It was owned by Mattel. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they licensed it out to the the people that did the animated series who were, like, doing it for children. And then this was kind of, like, trying to be more broad. And there was a lot of back and forth. And it's funny because there was, like, all this, like, political stuff going on between them to the point where, like, the reason that a lot of the characters don't match what was on the cartoon or what was in the toy line is because they were like, well, we'll take the, a couple of the ones people know, but we're going to create these new characters and new designs so we can sell more toys. You know, mm. so they can do new. So that was like the big thing, but they only made like a couple of them, and I guess there was like a bit of like a bitterness between the film studio, which was Canon Films, which I don't know if you've talked about Canon Films on your show at all. We but... haven't, but I know a lot about them. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're yeah. a fascinating a fascinating you know production company. Yeah, but there's it's... a good documentary on it too. I yeah, yeah, Electric on... Boogaloo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but um, I encourage everyone to go watch that. <laughs> yes, if you yeah. can find it, it's it's definitely worth your time. It's a lot of fun. But the but so there was a big issue to the point where they've been there was this collector line of 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 masters of universe figures that have been going that actually just wrapped up after running for like 10 years and they were not able to make figures that looked like the movie versions because the people that had the rights to the designs of the movies didn't want to work with mattel and so like interesting so but then mattel licensed that toy line to a different company called super seven and Super 7 approached the film people, and they finally, just last year, put out a Frank Langella-looking Skeletor in a Dolph Lundgren He-Man like, action figure. And I was like, you know, me being a toy geek, I was like, I've wanted this my whole life, and it, I just accepted a long time ago that it was just never going to happen. And now they're sitting on my shelf. <laughs> that's really cool. I, that's, yeah. I love hearing all that. So we're kind of about the same age. Like, I'm 37, so you're... I'm, you know, I'm assuming you were also like, I guess in 87, I would have been like eh, four years old. So you're pretty little when this movie came out. I'm, I'm assuming you didn't see this in theaters. <laughs> actually, actually, I think so. As, as far as I can remember and like, who knows, you know, memory is such a shaky thing. This was actually the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh, my God. Wow. And, but I do think it might have been one of those things where like, you know, a lot. I, I don't know. I don't know if in your area, but a lot of times the movie theaters in, in, in the area that I grew up, like would show like movies that came out like a year ago or six months ago, like on Absolutely. a Saturday matinee for the kids. I, yeah. I want to guess it was that. Cause I feel like I was four years old. Like I remember it. Like I remember wa- walking in and you know, my dad took me and we were like, I think we were like a few minutes late. Cause we walked in when Skeletor was like imprisoning the sorceress in her, like, <laughs> you know, extremely uncomfortable can't sit down tube you know of energy yeah um so yeah so that's so it's kind of like this yeah i mean there's this nostalgia factor with this movie but it's also like this was the first thing it's the first time i went into a theater and saw a movie and it was all these characters and you know it's also like you know it's it's a movie that i still am fascinated by because it's like it's from Canon, which is just known to be schlock and, and there's all, there's all these production problems that happen with this movie, but 
there's still a lot of charm to it with all these practical effects and makeup and all that, you know? So it's like, it's funny that that was the first thing and that shaped my path a little bit, you know? Yeah. And when you said, made that comment about movies, I think up until mm, maybe the eighties and nineties, you know, showing movies that had come out a few years ago, was pretty common. Like, I mean, a lot of people didn't necessarily have things on VHS yet. And right. so like, you know, like, and also there was like that annoying Disney vault that like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so like the first movie I ever saw, I think was Cinderella, but you know, as a child, I had no idea how old it was, right. uh, but it wasn't a new movie, but it was new to me. Um, so I worked but, at a movie yeah. theater for a long time. And what we, we did a thing where it was like on Saturday, I, I, like saturdays or, or maybe it was fridays or something but like one day we, they would, we would do a series for like the springtime like you know kind of like oh, in between yeah. like and it would be like we're showing toy story one and you know right before toy story three was coming out or something like that so that I, makes I, you, sense. Know, you know you know it was like the tickets were cheaper than like the the you know the current movie release ticket and so i i want to say it was something like that but who knows um that but yeah sense. but i totally get what you're saying that like yeah like and it's funny because now with the pandemic going on, like when movie theaters are trying to open up, like they've been showing like Back to the Future and Lord of the Rings and yeah, stuff like that, and like, you know. And even before the pandemic, you know, I talked a lot on the show about how I, I went to Alamo all the time. And, you know, they on Saturdays and Sundays, they did like cereal theater, which was like they showed children's films and they serve cereal and like parents can bring their kids and it sounds a lot like kind of like what you're talking about yeah so, okay that sounds that actually yeah. sounds really fun i mean yeah. except for a, lo- a bunch of loud kids when i'm trying to watch movies but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you'd have to like be bringing kids as well uh, yeah. but like uh my experience with masters of the universe i think the only thing that i can think of that i can that even remotely comes close to like having anything to do with the toys is i remember that um, I was a kid and we went to like a yard sale, went to a lot of yard sales growing up and I saw like the She-Ra castle and I asked my dad to buy it for me and I got really excited, brought it home, opened it and a giant spider came out of it. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I know. And in my brain, the spider is like, I mean, it doesn't look like a real spider is like huge. I'm sure it, it, this probably barely happened the way I remember it, but I just remember that being so terrifying. I didn't play with the toy anymore. I was like, I'm done. That's a spider oh toy. It's spider infested. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm literally imagining the uh, the Harry Potter spider like just crawling it, out. Like, oh yeah, my gosh. that's I would, awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't say I have a spider fear, but I would say that I'm not fond of like opening something and a spider coming out of it. Sure, uh, the unexpected is is scary, you know. <laughs> But even since then, I haven't really watched, like, I, I started watching the newer She-Ra cartoon, and I really liked it. But, like, that's, like, the closest I've gotten. So, like, you're talking to somebody that, like, weirdly grew up in the 80s and still has, like, no idea. So I'm, like, very interested to hear your thoughts and to dive into some of this. And I'm sure you're thinking, like, it's interesting to talk to somebody that doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> what well, well, it's interesting because I've talked to a couple people that don't know anything about, like, He-Man and Masters of the Universe. And... It's it's funny because I'm I'm from the you know like it's interesting for for you because like you were around like I've talked to some yeah, people that just like, were like they missed it because you know it, it was already kind of like past its peak and when they were sure. born and it's like but you were you were like around you were like kind of the prime audience for She-Ra you know you were the know, right age and everything weird. you know I don't know why that happened but there's you know there's certain franchises like that that like 
weren't in my field of vision. You know, I was really focused, I guess, on Looney Tunes, the Care Bears, okay. uh, My Little Pony. You know, I guess that's why. And maybe the, my plate was just full. I don't know. Gotcha. But I really did not, you know, experience it a lot. So, you know, I learned a lot watching this movie <laughs> and reading so was this about your it. So, fir- was this your first time watching the movie as well? Yes. I have oh, never wow. Seen I'm like so excited now because <laughs> I mean I was excited before but now I'm just like it's like for me it's like I haven't stopped watching the movie like it's like I I've I've literally watched it at least once or twice a year for the past 30 years you know nice well <laughs> like for me you know it's just so weird because I sat down to watch it and as I'm watching it I'm realizing I've never seen this because you know sometimes you're like well it's been so long I probably watched it at some point but it's like no I, I know that I haven't seen it so you know I, I like I've told you before I've I've watched some other like canon films and I've you know watched documentaries about it heard some great how did this get made episodes about it? <laughs> you know, so like I'm pretty familiar with some of this and they may have even had an episode on this movie that I listened to. Um, they, they did. I remember because they, they, they said I was, I was pleasantly surprised by some of the things they said about it because it's a movie that I'm like, well, I can't, I don't know how much I can defend it because I'm coming from such like a different place than like somebody who would just randomly be watching it. But so I was ready for them to tear it up, tear it apart a little more. And they were like, well, no, there's things about this that kind of work. <laughs> and I and I actually, I agree with them. You know, when you compare this to something like Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bars on the floor, but, you know, and regardless, I actually enjoy both the break-in movies, but, um, but, like, this is better than that. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not as, like, it's not as bad as I expected just knowing the story of canon films. I was expecting something different than what I saw. So I, I was like pleasantly surprised. And, I'll, I'll and, when, and it's funny because this movie specifically was like the last Canon film, basically. Like they literally. You like, like bankrupted them, right? Th- well, yeah. So like, uh, uh, so some of the money from this movie was actually pulled away from Superman four. And that's, then, what, <laughs> that's what Daniel Sanchez was talking about in the group. He's like, this ruined Superman four. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> In in like they literally like Canon like tried to just shut down production and the director had to be like well no we don't have an ending and, and they're like sorry and then the whole crew is like well if we're not getting paid we're not working and he's like hang on hang on we got we're, you know we got to put it. so that's why like the big climactic battle between He Man and Skeletor at the end is all like no lighting except for like some dude in the back with like you know a flood lamp. And yes, and because... you saying that is reminding me of the How Did This Get Made episode because they talked about that. I remember that. About oh, okay. Started. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's just um... like nothing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a couple of quick facts. I always kind of start off the show with like two or three quick facts, so I'll spit them out really quick. But the first one that I have is that at the time of filming, uh, Dolph Lundgren had limited acting experience, spoke with a thick Swedish accent, and was not fluent in English yet. So... Uh, the director, Gary Goddard, had planned to have all of Lundgren's lines dubbed by another actor, but Lundgren's contract stipulated that he would have at least three opportunities to redub his lines in post-production. With the film running behind schedule, Goddard just decided to use Lundgren's natural voice instead, which I actually don't think is a problem in the movie because he's like, I don't know if this is weird to say, but like because he's like a barbarian, he's kind of from somewhere else in air quotes, like him having an accent sort of adds to it 
I think. I don't know. I, I've just never so. noticed it as an issue. And then I remember hearing this later. I actually got to go to a, an, in, in, I think it was the 30th anniversary screening at the Egyptian Theater in Hollywood. And and the director was there and a couple of the members of the cast were there. And they they talked about that and how, like, he barely spoke English. This was, like, his first thing after Rocky Four. It was like, yeah, he, he was signed on to the movie before the, I think there was even a script. It was just like, wow. Canon was like, oh, well, well this like, guy we'll looks like out. man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, we'll just, we'll get him. It'll be great. He doesn't speak English. Hey, whatever. Close enough. Yeah. Swedish and <laughs> yeah. English have some crossover. It's fine. It's Germanic language. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's really funny. Like, what a huge gamble. But I don't know. I guess maybe just like growing up with like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and him having a pretty thick Austrian accent. I just don't think it's that big of a deal. But I guess not speaking English would probably be the bigger problem. <laughs> I, I never I never like not understand what he's saying. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't have a problem understanding him. So that, that the, the fact that it wasn't he wasn't fluent is like not obvious to me watching it. So they right. I think they did a good job with that. Uh, the other thing that I had was that according to Gary Goddard, the draft of the final script he received took place completely on Earth. In order to keep the budget down, which is something that I noticed about this movie and noticed about a lot of movies like this. I'll kind of say more on that in a minute. But although he liked the fish out of water aspect, he asked for more money so he could at least start and end the film in Eternia. Good choice. This is like a problem I feel like that happened in the 80s specifically where like they didn't have enough money to actually make the movie. And so they would be like they've got to go to earth and you're I'm always like, no, like even like when uh, that Sonic movie came out like last year and like most of it takes place on earth. I was like, no, like I, I hate when they do that. Um, although I ended up liking that movie, but you know, it kind of reminds me of like super Mario brothers, right? Like, right. It, it looks like our world, but it's like, it's just cause they couldn't afford to do anything else. Right. <laughs> so right. In this movie, Their like, budget is stretched like wafer thin. Yeah, but yeah. I will say, like, Masters of the Universe has a history, like, in in, in various iterations, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, he actually isn't in, in this movie. He-Man he is just He-Man the whole time. Like, in, you know, a lot of people know that, like, in the cartoons and in various, like, other stories, like, he's Prince Adam and he transforms into oh, He-Man. Okay. Um, but his his parents are, are, are King Randor and Queen Marlena, and Queen Marlena is actually from Earth. And oh okay so he's got some so, earth roots yeah and that's <laughs> there's like this whole mythology about about it so it's like okay well earth exists somewhere in here um, yeah so you can, it can kind of be woven in um yeah yeah okay that, that but it's does definitely make a sense. budgetary thing to not like if you, there's if you google um the like concept art of this movie like you could see what they were hoping to do um, well, it yeah, was it's even, like uh, when you think of that kind of movie, like even when you think of like Conan or something, it doesn't take place in L.A., you know what I mean? Right, like, <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and they actually got some like, um, uh, was it, is it Ralph McQuarrie, the guy who did all the, the, the early like Star Wars art? Um, oh, really? He, he did. He did some of the concept art for this movie. And in, in, in some of the artists, just, I mean, I love concept art. I always think it's like a cool like, oh, yeah, oh, here's a vision of what we're hoping to achieve and you know kind of see how close they get um but he did some of it and then uh the production designer william stout did a lot of it and and you could see the yeah they originally like some of the early early drafts like they included like battle cat and even shira was in it and it was all on eternia and then it's just like canon films they're like we have no money <laughs> <laughs> well and i think the parts that are in eternia do look really good though 
you know, it, you can tell that they put a lot into those sets. So it's like, at least when they're there, it doesn't look bad, you know? I mean, I think I think inside Castle Grayskull looks fantastic. I think they, they put a lot into one key set. <laughs> one like, good one good one set. Good set Cause that, <laughs> that one was actually like, it was like two sound stages. They had to like cut a hole in the center and like put together. Yeah. Um, Cause it's huge. I mean, it looks huge. I mean, you can tell like in the wide shots, there's like matte paintings and stuff, which I always love anyway. I always think that looks. Yeah. Really cool. I like that kind of stuff. Um, but they like, but when we, we first get introduced to He-Man and he's just like clearly in like, I'm trying to think of the, the it's like, it's like a state park in California. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like in the in the distance, there's like the map painting of Castle Grayskull, and you're like, okay, like you know, but and it's like you could tell they wanted to do more, but like you know, it's like you get, I, I mean, you give it a pass, and you know, as a kid, I was like, he's on Eternia, that's Eternia, yeah, so it, like it, you it don't what we're doing stuff as a child, right? Um, to your point, too, like the original budget was supposed to be 17 million, and did get increased to 22 million, and became Canon Films' most expensive film. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny because it's like not that much money because they were the, they were yeah. just the kings of just you know and maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit but I remember there was plans they had already planned to do a sequel. Yes, I did read that. Yeah, and they were but they were gonna they were gonna take the budget and they were gonna put half the money they were gonna put towards the Masters of the Universe sequel and the other half they they had licensed out the rights to Spider Man at the time. And so they were going to make a Spider-Man movie and a Masters of the Universe sequel using the same sets. But no. by that, I, I kid you not. <laughs> but <laughs> but by that point, they had run out of like money to even do it, even though the sets had already been built. And what they oh, wound gosh. up doing is they like they lost. So they lost Spider-Man and they canceled Masters of the Universe Part 2. And then they wound up making the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie Cyborg using those sets. Wow. And in some markets, like if it's on TV or something, if you look it up, Cyborg is even titled Masters of the Universe Part 2 Cyborg. What? <laughs> yeah. Even though it's like That's it amazing. has nothing to do. It was just a matter of like, like if you look at the main villain in Cyborg is actually wearing the exact same costume that Blade in Masters of the Universe is wearing. Like it's That's the exact hilarious. same, the, cha the chain mail and everything. And like, but the sequel was going to be like, He-Man's on Earth, and he's a football player, and Skeletor is, like, a business tycoon, and all this, like, what? Like, why what, Like why would you even think that it's was a good idea to start? starting to kind of sound like, uh, what's it called? Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah, it sounded very Flash Gordon, I think, they, which I think came out before? Oh, yeah. I think I'm that was, like, early sure. 80s, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We covered it on, that was one of our live shows, but it was a while ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Wow. Well, that's that's a journey, man. That's, that's good intel. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good journey. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, did you want to talk a little bit about the cast? Uh, I know we already talked about you know Dolph Lundgren and you know Courtney Cox is in this movie. <laughs> this was her first movie. She the only thing she had done before this was the Bruce Springsteen video. Oh, oh uh, wow. Yeah. So this is like a big thing, and like she has never talked about it since. <laughs> I kind of understand just because her character is like I don't know. I don't I I don't think she does a bad job. I mean there's I, I mean there's a couple moments like when when Evil Lynn disguises herself as her mom and steals the key away and Courtney Cox does the classic like horror movie girl like put the hands on the face and screams like that's like <laughs> that's I, I'm, 
I'm like, man, you're really, you really giving it here, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just, I guess, cause she's more into like, you know, Friends was like really big. And then like, uh, she was in that scream. So, yeah. She's in all the yeah. screams and yeah. Ace Ventura. So I guess, yeah. I guess her... that was like her bigger. So, oh yeah. Ace Ventura. Duh, yeah. 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 I think I might, I, I would imagine it's probably not something she's. Like I get why she would not want to talk about it. I mean, me being a huge nerd, I'd be like, "This is the only movie I want to talk about." But you know, um, you know, when you when you become like a multi-million dollar contract, you know, big on the biggest TV show in history, kind of, you know, you maybe don't want to talk about that bankrupted B movie that you did when you first started. Out. And the the other person I recognized is uh, Kevin, is played by uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. He was Tom. Paris is that his name on Voyager? Uh, I didn't really watch Voyager, but yeah, but oh. he was, I know he was on the show. Well, um, I couldn't remember his name because I didn't watch Voyager that much either. Yeah, Lieutenant Tom Paris. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, he looks really familiar. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, I couldn't quite place him because that's like the one Star Trek show that I didn't watch a lot of. But yeah, he was on that. So <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's interesting that they're like they're both they both like are still working, you know, like they had yeah, these, like, true. you know, like this movie didn't tank their careers. And... <laughs> yeah. Maybe it helped, you know, exposure wise, like sure. got, obviously got their names out there. Um, were there any other people in the cast that kind of stood out to you that you want to talk about a little bit? Uh, I mean, uh, who is it? James Tolkien is Lubick. I mean, who's basically just like <laughs> principal Strickland with a gun. I know. Um... That's so crazy. I was like, <laughs> it, he's basically wearing the same outfit. Like, yeah, <laughs> There's no difference between that and then he's got that gun and you're like, okay, yeah, this is just the same guy. Like, but it, yeah, it's like the, the same, yeah. I think that's where I learned the term character actor. And I was like, <laughs> he's this guy, but he's also in this movie, even though they're not related. I was like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> also, I see a lot online, a lot of love to the Skeletor. You know, whether he's faithful or not i think a lot of people feel like frank lagella really i mean he, he didn't phone it in like he was he was very invested in being skeletor i, I was saving that for last um but we'll okay, let's, go get ahead. To, let's get to it now um, <laughs> because because i i am absolutely still in love with frank langella as skeletor in this movie i think there's you know people there's that saying like oh you can't act on a bad script i was like i show you this because because <laughs> I think his performance is is so earnest and so like like he gets the assignment I know is what the cool kids are doing now on the on the tweets um, <laughs> you know like I think he just completely understands what what his character is and what he's doing and what like how to do it and I know Frank Langella like like redid a lot of the dialogue himself because um, you oh. know he's like he's like a very like accomplished stage actor like you know he played dracula he's done shakespeare like i mean he's done quite a few high profile films as well but like he i think right before this he had just wrapped up like a, an incredibly long stint playing dracula either either on broadway or 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 in london I, I can't remember where um and what's funny is that he still to this day says this is his most favorite film he's ever worked on Oh, um, well, you know, he got to do what he wanted to do. Maybe that's, you know, and, I, and well, he, he enjoyed wanted, the character. He, he wound up agreeing to do it because his son was a, was a fan of, of the characters. Like he was his son, oh, like had cute. me into it. 
Yeah, so it's like you're coming into it like, oh, this will be a nice thing for my kid. But then to just give it the same amount of of dedication that he would have if it were some Oscar type film, I think it's just it's just a like an it, I think it shows through. I mean, and the fact that he's also just he's even if he were phoning it in, he's still an incredible actor. Um, but there's a documentary on on Netflix. Um, it's like a feature length documentary about Masters of the Universe. It's called Powers of Grayskull. And it came out not that long ago, like only a few years ago. And they interviewed and they, there was a current like an, like a like a recent interview with him. And he still like just like clearly like was like it was so much fun. It was just I got to be big and broad with my performance and, you know, like loud and whatever, you know, and it's just like I. I think he's captivated. Like every time I, you know, he's on screen, I'm still like, yeah, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's. You can tell he's enjoying himself, and maybe just all the love from the fans, even if it didn't, even if it wasn't like seen as like a typical classic movie. Maybe it's more of a cult classic. I, he probably appreciates that, you know, to this day. Yeah. And he, you know, he had some good bad guys to bounce. Like Meg Foster is evil. Lynn, I think is, is also like a, like a, a fantastic, like, like female villain, you know? Yeah. I thought she was really good. And, and didn't she like the outfit she's wearing? It's like super heavy, like bruised her groin because it's right. like, I was like, that's so, like almost terrible. cracked her ribs or something like oh that. My God. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and, but she's just she's an interesting performer like you know like she's got those those eyes that are just like uh, like not human you know like she I has know, like she said these, like, like people kept hiring her because of them yeah so they save money on effects because her eyes are spooky <laughs> yeah. yeah and like she said something like her costume was uncomfortable but it helped with her performance which like I don't think a lot of actors would have that positive of a view of being uncomfortable right. for hours so cheers right. to her like yeah it's yeah really it's neat. dedication you know yeah yeah and she's uh you know she's still she's still out there doing stuff uh, a couple of years ago she was in um the rob zombie film uh lords of salem she was one of the like the elder witches and you know imagine those eyes and you know she's a little bit you know older now so she's playing an older creepy witch and like it's pretty scary stuff <laughs> yeah oh yeah and she was in they live which i love yep. also yeah yeah very cool um well is that is that everyone in the cast that you wanted to cover you want to dive into some scenes in the movie or i mean that's a i mean should we, i feel like we we shouldn't skip over gwildor oh okay yeah <laughs> definitely not <laughs> sorry uh, about Bi- that sorry billy gwildor. billy barty <laughs> As uh, as Gwildor is just you know, it's uh, he's a controversial character because he's essentially was created for the movie because they couldn't afford to do the visual effects of of Orko, who is the the a similar type of character from the animated series, who is just like literally like a purple floating creature, like a jester creature. <laughs> yeah, he. I was watching like the uh, you know, the honest trailer about this, and they're like, why coun't they just paint him blue? And like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I was wondering that watching it, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that character before. No, so that yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but Billy Barty does a good job being, you know, like, I mean, he's kind of, he played a lot of those characters. He was like a wiz- the wizard in Willow, and, you know, like, 
you know, I think it's kind of one of those like eighties shticks of like, if you were a small person, like you're going to do a lot of Hobbit like characters in fantasy yeah. films, you know? Right. So. Yeah. And he had a pretty big role in the movie. So. Yeah, he's the uh, he's almost kind of the whole plot device because he creates the cosmic <laughs> key, you know. Yep, yep. Well, did you want to talk about some of your favorite scenes from the movie? We, I think we should. Um, yeah. What are what, you, you're the new one though? I want to hear what your <laughs> some of your favorite scenes are. Okay. Um. Let's see. So let me think about this. Uh, I liked. Well, okay. So I kind of I know. So. Clue me in on this. The little ragtag team of, you know, uh, the the little dude, and then there's uh, a woman and her dad, right? Yeah. So there's, <laughs> okay. yeah. T- Remember, so I've t- only seen this once, so my <laughs> even though I just watched it, I'm not. It's gonna funny because I knew exactly what you were talking about, though. It's like you know, there's I the like, dude and the thing. Okay, got I it. I like <laughs> the chemistry between that little crew. It just feels so random because it's like you've got He Man. And then his crew is like, uh, I wasn't totally sure. I know they're all from like Eternia, I guess, but I wasn't totally understanding all their connections. But I liked when they're like in the real world and the dad is like looking for food and the and then they eat that meat and then uh, the, it's like ribs. And then he's yeah. like, these are ribs of an, and she's like, of an animal? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, this is a barbaric place. It, it makes know, me wonder like, like, what do Eternians eat? You know, like I guess they're vegan. I don't know. Are they, are they all vegan? Because yeah, like we never see any Eternian food. You know. Yeah, that's true. But it was just like she couldn't identify the meat, so like she didn't know it was meat or what type. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But I don't know. Every time I saw them interact, I thought she was kind of a cool character, and you know, her and her dad were interesting. Um, let me think. What else? Uh. So the teenage relationship was interesting, too. So I guess to kind of try to make this, again, be on Earth, you know, they uh, that key is sent over here by accident or something. And then um, they're the main character takes it to his friend. And I like the line where he's like. I think this is from Japan and it's it's like, <laughs> like I, I, I'm, I'm having such a hard time now just like imagining things from Japan seeming that. Like, yeah, that like cool. what Japanese like, synthesizer has like, like extremely sharp prongs in yeah. and like, and also, it's like, it's not a practical instrument. It's not, it doesn't lay flat for you to hit the keys. It's like this, this, it looks like a, a, futuristic power drill you know and then it yeah. shoots lights up top and <laughs> but he takes it to his friend that has like this store and you know he's like oh this is really cool he's like look what it can do and he's like wow and like i don't know i just found like all that stuff kind of fun <laughs> yeah it's, it's there nobody's like too weirded out by it they're all like oh this right. is neat <laughs> they don't say wow this is like alien technology they're like it's japanese <laughs> and it's an instrument <laughs> yeah they just it. accept it they're like all right cool yeah so I think those were like the two that like stood out most to me. <laughs> oh man! So you're yeah, you're all about the 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 Earth moments. Yeah, yes, when I they're think the Earth <laughs> moments were probably the ones that stood out the most, or it just for whatever reason like caught my eye the most. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So so the the female characters is Tila, and then Tila, she, yeah, okay. she she's the daughter of of Duncan, who's also known as Man at Arms. He so he's like kind of like the the top guard of like the the 
the good guy palace. Um, but in the, in the, in the various storylines, Tila is actually like a clone of the sorceress and she gets adopted by man at arms. And so there's all these like completely untouched things in this movie where it's just like, I, you know, I feel like the, the actress that plays Tila does a good job, but she, but she also doesn't really get to, you know, doesn't have much of an arc. She's kind of just, you know, there. She's like a, like a buddy. Yeah. She's, yeah, yeah, exactly. She's supportive. But it's like yep. I don't really understand her connection. And she kicks that ass, much. like she, yeah, she does know, a good job. Guns, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, what what are some of your favorite scenes? Since you you're the one that the, the expert, like tell us. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> the yeah, I, so I, I have a PhD in uh, masters <laughs> of the universe. No, um, I a mean, like, yeah. like you have a masters and masters. There you go. <laughs> um, I, you know, I mean, like I said, I, it's interesting because it's like, yeah, okay, so we have Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, and like, you know, like we were saying, like, he doesn't really have, a, like, good good English, and so so they actually, like, you know, they cast Frank Langella, who's this huge name, at, you know, actor, and, like, has won several awards for acting, and then you get Dolph Lundgren, who can barely speak English, so they, it's really, if you look at the movie, Skeletor is more the main character. Like it's a movie that's mm. kind of done from the villain's perspective more. Like we see Skeletor go through a lot more change than He-Man. You know, He-Man's kind of the, the same all the way through. You know, sure, um, yeah. And and Skeletor is basically it's his quest for power, and you know, then he gets to turn into God Skeletor with his Jack Kirby looking helmet and everything, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I th- like I said, anytime that Skeletor is on, on screen and, you know, he, he has a lot of monologues, um, you know, where, you know, it's like when when even that that opening scene when he first comes into the, the castle and he's just like the march of the music and the camera's kind of following his feet and you can hear the stomping of his staff um, and just like, he's just like, I've won, you know, and it's that like, oh, <laughs> you know, we're starting off with the bad guy winning. Like, oh, this is not good. Um but uh, you know, other like uh, there's God, there's I I I'm trying to like focus my like what are good scenes because I'm like I like the whole thing. Uh, yeah, that's fine too. No worries. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like uh, I oh you know what part always kind of creeped me out was in when the the bad guys take the portal into the high school and they just rough up the custodian guy who's like oh, hey I you know. guys you kids can't be in here and they just like. That? Chuck him across. Like, that's like, ooh, this is pretty hardcore, guys. Like, what are we doing here? He's like, you kids aren't supposed to be in, ah! Yeah, just like, like chucks him through the door. And, it's like, yeah. I just work here. Yeah. 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 I was like, he's, he, you know, the guy makes minimum wage. Leave him be, you know? The, um, uh, the detective guy with the gun, he's very brave in a lot of these situations. I like how he's like, uh, he thinks like he can just take them on with his pistol in his like yeah. shotgun like he's like yeah. do you have a gun and i'm like okay if i saw like creatures from like another universe or wherever they're from i wouldn't be like oh i'm sure we can take care of this with a firearm like, well like firearm. And, th- and then when he busts in on him at the end when they they're like they're redoing the key to get themselves back to eternity and he walks it and he you know and they're like stop and he gets transported with them it's like you literally just got transported to another planet where there are like a demon-faced dude is there with like hundreds and hundreds of stormtroopers, 
and you got a shotgun that's got like what 10 rounds in it like <laughs> and he's still just like you know like taking them all down like somebody fires a laser at him and he's like hey nobody takes hot shots at lubick you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a very brave person uh yeah i thought that was pretty funny um that and then okay so oh man i think it's jumping to the end too much i'll wait i can wait till we get to the end because i have thoughts on the airplane situation because <laughs> like... oh <laughs> yeah that okay there's that um yeah and also like so so julie gets attacked at the school because they're looking for the key and then she runs out and then so the high school is basically right next to like some weird industrial like i i thought that too i was like where area. are they it seems like now they're in downtown yeah I and there's like this a, giant a pizza logo. yeah and <laughs> and and there's this one shot that like has always struck me a little funny because it's it's a very like well framed like shot but it makes almost no sense it's when blade one of the one of the four like mercenaries that are clearly like an homage to like the bounty hunters of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like walking and he's like, she's over here, this way. But then it's like, as he's saying it, he literally turns in the exact opposite direction. <laughs> and it's always <laughs> I like, meant, what? I meant this way. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't think you know where you're going, dude. <laughs> and, and then she sees like her mother, right? That That's the scene that you're talking about where she thinks she sees her mom that convinces her to give them that key. Yeah. I'm jumping too the, far ahead. Yeah. The, the cosmic key. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it turns out it's evil in disguise because they get, they, they figure out that her mom died because when they go to the house to, tor- to like interrogate Kevin, they get the newspaper clipping about her, her parents dying. And that's where I'm like, can attorneys read English? They can, they can, <laughs> they can They're read. Like, oh, here's a newspaper. This could be helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, like, got um... the old Gazette here. And yeah. Well, and also it's like classic movie trope, right? Like if somebody died and then they appear in front of you, they're evil. You got to question that. Yeah. She fell for yeah, it. Yeah, but she, just went, she went right for it. She's like, hey, what's like, up? I need that key for some reason. And she's like, that makes sense to me. I'll go get it. <laughs> <laughs> I Fine. Fine. Sounds, sounds good. You know? <laughs> and when that happened in the movie, again, remember, it's the first time I've seen this. I was like, well, oh, no, what are they going to do now? I was, like, <laughs> really, I was really mad at her for doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty selfish move, Courtney Cox. <laughs> yeah. Like, what were you yeah. thinking? You know, it didn't make a lot of sense. You had to sneak it out of there. And then it was like, oh, crap. They Now they have it. How are they going to get that back? I was like, not sure where the movie was going to go from that point. <laughs> But they, but they got it, but then Skeletor fried it on the roof. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's actually a really funny moment on in that big rooftop fight. There's that big, like, the music goes really triumphant, and, and, and He-Man starts swinging his sword around and taking out all the stormtroopers. And there's this wide shot where they all gang up on him, and one of them clearly trips over himself and falls. And I can't... I, I <laughs> well, can't, then he somebody, really is a stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one of those moments where I'm like, I somebody pointed it out to me like years ago, and now I can't unsee it. And it's just like, you know, the music's like, dun, 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 and he's just like, whoa! <laughs> okay, full disclosure here. Uh, something happened to some of the audio. I don't know what. I think the file got corrupted, perhaps. I'm tech impaired sometimes. Um, but 
I got most of it. And in this next section, uh, I believe we're talking about costume design, and I will let Mike take it from here. Cloak self instead of the Jack Kirby gold suit. And, you know, he's like, Skeletor, it's over. And he's like, yes, for you. And then one more fight, and he knocks him down, <laughs> down in that pit. Impression. You know? Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen. I've actually seen this movie a couple times. I don't know if we've gotten him. <laughs> uh, so he knocks him down in the, into that pit, right? That's basically like mm-hmm. identical to like how the Emperor dies in Return of the Jedi. Um, and so you see, it's all red, all like it looked red, and who knows what's going down in that pit. So the credits play, and there's this red bubbling liquid. And Skeletor's head pops up without the cloak, and his 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 skull is kind of turned green from the probably the red dye or whatever you know, like whatever reason. <laughs> he pops up and looks right at the camera and says, "I'll be back." And oh, it free, man. And freeze frames, and basically they're like, you know, it's the one. Hey, didn't the Terminator already have this line? And two, let's let's tease a sequel that we will never make. You know. Oh man, what a bummer. <laughs> yeah, you're probably like, oh, it's coming any day now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's, he he said it. He said he's coming back. That means they're going to be another. Um, but what's funny is is that so this this movie was produced by Edward Edward R. Pressman, who produced quite a has produced quite a bit of movies. He did like The Crow. I want to say he was also one of the producers on like Conan. Um, um, just one of those guys that's like produced a bunch of stuff. But he also produced the Jean Claude Van Damme Street Fighter movie. Um, oh with Raul Julia, which also has a post-credit scene that is almost identical. Um, Interesting. Where, where Bison's hand pops up out of the ground and, and triggers his remote control thingy that he had throughout the movie. Um, and it's like, world domination continues, blah, blah, blah. And it's like setting up a sequel. And it's like, but like they shot that after they did principal photography on that movie. And Raul Julia had died by that point, so like they're they, wow. like so, so like they're teasing the return of a of a character that cannot be played by the same actor. Yeah, you know? he had like a heart condition, right? He I, was it, super sick when they were shooting that movie. Like in like he had to wear like a padded suit sometimes because he he had deteriorated so much. I think he had cancer. Um, oh okay so he was like going through chemo or something when it was was filming you know because obviously i loved him in the adams family uh movies and he i remember my dad telling me but obviously he didn't know he was like yeah he he said something like he lost too much weight for a role and then it was too hard on his heart and then he died but it i think that's just something he heard (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I mean, it could be right. I'm not 100% sure, but I remember he, like, wasn't doing well when he was shooting that movie. And, mm. I, I, like, everybody talked about how he never complained on set and always brought mm. his A-game, even though he, like, physically was, like, you know, struggling. Yeah. Have you have you done that movie for your show? No, I would love to do that movie. That one I, I have seen. <laughs> I, 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 that's another, that's another, I kind of grouped that, that movie with this movie in the, like, I don't think I can defend it, but I find it incredibly watchable. Yeah, that's enough. I mean, so, okay. And going back to this movie, since you already kind of, since you jumped to the end credit scene, I feel like I can talk about this now. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this plot point, (laughs) but so Courtney Cox, you know, her parents, she blames herself because uh, she's told her parents she was studying. And so then they got on an airplane, which I'm like, la-di-da, like that's... (laughs) 
These rich <laughs> people and their my, problems. <laughs> yeah, I've never told my parents I'm busy. And they're like, I guess we'll just fly our private jet somewhere then. It's like, well, oh, nice. So she, yeah. So they <laughs> wanted to go. To, they wanted to go to the beach with her, but she wanted. She said she was going to study, but really what she was going to do was go hang out with her boyfriend. And so they took right. their Which their plane fine. and went to Catalina. But, you know. Yeah. Well, we'll just take the jet to Catalina then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so she blames herself, even though. She didn't do anything wrong. She just hung out with her boyfriend. It was, you know, an accident. But uh, I guess as like a little reward (laughs) for their good deeds, she gets plopped back in time to right this wrong, which I thought was a really interesting way to end it. But uh, she gets to talk them out of it. And it made me feel better. Like it genuinely, I was like, oh, good. (laughs) She like threw the keys to their airplane away, which I feel is (laughs) problematic. Like, you know, that's expensive, but. You know, if, if it works and they, they live, then they'll be grateful, I suppose. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. I was like, well, you can get a locksmith. You can get a new key. But you can't True. You can't get new parents, you know. So. Yeah. And maybe they shouldn't fly. Maybe they're that's not their thing. Yeah. <laughs> she should encourage them to sell that airplane or she's going to have to, you know, go back again. But, yeah. So, she does that. And then she's like, my boyfriend's here. And, she, and, and they have this weird moment where they're like, eh, eh. They're like, do, do you know? <laughs> and they're like, I so Were we like, high? Okay. Did we like? <laughs> Did that happen? Do you remember yeah. a big buff Swedish guy and a big skeleton fighting? <laughs> and uh, they accept what? this new reality very quickly that they're like two years in the past, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, but, they're just so like, all right, we gotta we gotta redo senior year all over again. Gosh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they get to work on their relationship. You know, she's got her parents back, so it all yeah. worked out. I don't know why, but it just it kind of, it made me feel better. I was like, oh, good. That's that's good. I felt bad for her about her parents and this relationship going poorly. But she kind of forgot about it because it's like literally Gwildor's like, do you want me to send you somewhere else? I'll send you to the past, the future, wherever you guys want to go. And they're like, no, we should get home. And then they start walking through the portal. And at the very last minute, she starts yelling. She's like, wait, wait, send us let me let me save my parents and like the dummy yeah and like you know that portal's loud and the wind's blowing like how did he really hear that or did he you know it's like (laughs) maybe he was like they're dumb i'll just send it back where i think they should go (laughs) he thought about it already like he was thinking about when he put all those little bows in his in his crazy hair you know that he had at the end like yeah notice how like everybody in that last scene like like he-man's armor's all like gold and glistening again and it's like (laughs) again those were their little bennies for doing the right thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> everyone yeah, exactly. got like a little you buy present well, you know it's like at the end bones. of star wars when they all get medals it's just like yeah you know, except chewy yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> in this one in, in this one chewy's man at arms he's still in his like yeah dirty like you know soldier uniform and with his they mustache should have given him just like a bag of ribs or something <laughs> to go to take yeah, to <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> And it's like they, they do this like final goodbye. It's like, well, you have the key. You guys can bounce back and forth all you want now that you know the coordinates and you don't have to deal with Skeletor trying to kill you. I mean, like, why are we saying? Yeah. And aren't they the- going to go back to the same place? Because they all like at least He-Man and Tila and her dad. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so go back, go back and have ribs once in a while. At Robin's yeah, ribs, just pop know? over. <laughs> <laughs> That might oh. be why my husband ate ribs today. I'm just realizing that. <laughs> I watched this yesterday. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, that's funny. But, <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, I, like I said, I, I had fun watching it, for sure. That, <laughs> it reminded that, me a lot of, like, That's good, because it's one of those movies that's like, yeah, like, how, how, like, for me, it's like, 
I, the amount of memories I have, like I, I have the distinct memory of it being the first movie I ever saw in theaters. I remember like hanging out at my dad's and like, this sounds terrible, but playing with his tools, pretending they were like power swords and havoc staffs and <laughs> you know it's just like that sounds incredibly dangerous but it wasn't um you know and i'm like well, still a like, fan like i still read like the comic books and and the you know i'm excited about the new cartoon show that's coming and i'm still buying like the toys and stuff so like i i'm gonna love this movie till the day i die but it's like you as somebody who's never really partaken in anything of the brand of masters of the universe like the fact that you were able to watch it now and kind of enjoy it on its terms you know is, is cool. And I relate to that in the sense that, like, for me, those kind of movies are like, I remember getting older and realizing that people exist that didn't like Hook or The Goonies. And I'm like, no, those are really good movies, like amazing movies. And they're like, no, it's bad. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And then I had to go back and watch it. And I still can't agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like too brainwashed by those films like yeah you're you're it's impossible but but that's the thing about about movies that i think is so great is that like even if it's a movie you see for the first time like you're so much of a movie is about what you bring to it you know true true like it's it's you know like there's certain there's certain movies and certain properties like like i'm a huge terminator fan so even like the worst terminator movie i still can enjoy because i'm just i love that franchise and i have so much like history like growing up and watching the first two as a kid and like having the toys and watching them with my dad and you know like stuff like that so it's like it's always going to be a little bit exciting when they do a new one even if it doesn't turn out like as good as the first two because it just it's impossible to top those in my opinion you know and it's like and it's like i i want a new masters of the universe movie i'm excited i think i think it's a property that like you know like obviously canon films is not a film company that could do what this the the full extent of what this concept is capable of like so i feel like right. you know i i think the plan is right now i think sony has the license but they're they're giving it to netflix for the shows and also for a, a potential feature um mm. you know which i mean netflix has all the money in the world apparently you know they're paying yeah. like 200 million dollars <laughs> for knives out sequels so like you know they could they they could potentially sink a lot of money into a masters of the universe movie and you know, I think it's one of those properties that I think if you kind of look at it as like, you you know, take it with that same sincerity as like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, like you could do something really cool and really special. And it's also got what it's also one of those things where it's like it's already like a big toy thing. So like there's mm-hmm. the amount of merchandising and all that. Like, I think there's potential to do something really cool with it. And, you know, I know some people think it's just silly and it's just like, you well, know. I think it should retain some of the silliness, though. That's just I, my opinion. Like, I no, want it no, to still I, be I like right. fun I mean, he's called to watch. You know? you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it should still have like I think you know like a lot of color to it, and like you know, I, I guess kind of like kind of like Aquaman. Like, don't try yes. to get too serious to where it's like. Which you know, also starred Dolph Lundgren. You know. Yes. Yeah, and, and that so it's actually, like he got that like part because James Wan um, is a huge Masters of the Universe fan. Oh, well, that's you can see that in that movie. Yep. Yeah, for yep. sure. And and like that was successful and good and enjoyable. Like, it, I hope it's kind of like that. Like, I'm cool with it being like a little bit more grounded in the sense that like it does take place in Eternia and right. we get more of the characters that fans are familiar with um, all that stuff, you know, thumbs up. But just like don't make it like too serious to where it's like because it's like a fantastical plot. Like we should. Absolutely. See yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where it's like I, I you can you can be earnest and sincere about it, but like don't don't try and make it like the dark night, you know, like which is <laughs> yeah. you know like yeah. where it's just like we're so rooted in this like intense reality that it's like no, like it should yeah, like it should be very colorful, like you know, like m- oh, half the, the characters are is even pretty colorful, you know. Yeah, I, I, I can see that on IMDb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, but it's like half the characters are blue and purple and, you know, like, and it's like run towards that, embrace, embrace that, that craziness, because that's, that's part of what makes it what it is, you know? And, but, but you can still tell a a lot of different genres in one thing. Yeah. And that's part of the appeal. It's like that it's fantasy, but science fiction. And yeah, I like that. So and a lot of people have a have a lot of affection for this movie, and they call back to it a lot when people um, tend to bring up like um, Jack Kirby's like New Gods or Fourth World um, from mm-hmm. DC Comics. Um, if you read like the early like New Gods comics, like the plot is very similar to what this movie is. It's like there's this war between, you know, like these two factions on this distant planet, and then they have to come to Earth and they bring their war with them, and they have to like, um, but that's that's actually how the toy line even started out. Like the, some of the early designs were for a fourth world new gods um, toy line that Mattel was going to do that never wound up getting made. And then they just started taking those ideas and creating their own ideas and their Mm. own characters out of them. Like there's this character in the toy line called Zodak who flies around in this hover chair. That's very much like Metron um, from new gods. Um, And so you know, it started out there. A lot of people think it started out as like it was going to be a Conan line, um, but it actually wasn't. That's kind of where it's so. So, yeah, it's one of those. It borrows from every bit of pop culture and like each iteration kind of borrows something else. And so like there's it's kind of this like unlimited potential of like just be big and loud and wacky and weird, you know. Yeah, that sounds really fun. I didn't. I yeah. seriously feel like I've learned a lot about He-Man. <laughs> I had no idea about so. I'm gonna have well, to go now, watch now you're ready cartoons when it's, now. You know, yeah. Well, and there's the new cartoons are coming out sometime this year. So yeah, uh, yeah. Know, I should kept, be excited the, the to check kinda, it out. Yeah, the news kind of kept popping up when I was looking at it. Well, is there anything else that we haven't covered yet that you wanted to cover? Um, I'm sure there's. I I I, mean, I know that's a tough question. Like, <laughs> you're like yeah, oh, I know. I was thinking. More. I was like, we could do like three more of these, and I feel like I'd keep talking about. It. I um, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a silly movie. Um, it's it's you know it's a silly property in general, but it's got a special place in my heart. And I think you know again, just going back to Frank Langella, like even with that prosthetic face, you know, is able to you know convey a lot of emotion and stuff. And so it's 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 worth watching just for for that alone. Like I you know like it's definitely a product of its time. It's it's eighties. Uh, one thing to call out is. Um, the the poster had artwork by Drew Struzan, who did like all the big Star Wars and Indiana Jones posters and stuff. He did the oh, wow. Masters of the Universe poster. And it's funny because on the VHS box, it, it even said on the bottom, it's like the Star Wars of the 80s. And I was always like, yeah, but Empire and Jedi came out in the 80s. So isn't Star Wars <laughs> the Star Wars of the 80s? It's like, I mean, OK, cool. But, OK, you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a fascinating movie because it's one of those things where it's like, it was trying to catch on this brand that was making tons of money and then came out just as it was starting to not make money. And it came from mm-hmm. a studio that was literally hemorrhaging money. 
Um, yeah, you, like the you second know, the, brothers bought that studio, it really, again, yeah. people should watch that documentary. It is a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, and they interviewed like Dolph Lundgren, I think, in the in that documentary, if I remember right. Mm. Um, you know, because he was even kind of like, uh, sure, I'll do this. You know, <laughs> it's just one of those. <laughs> it's but it's funny because it's one of those movies that's kind of like they're behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff going on that had nothing to do with the movie, and they're just trying to do the best they can. But because yeah. I was at the right age, the right time, the right fan, like it's like, and and there's plenty of people that are like me that's like still just like you know what this movie's fun it's silly and it's weird and it's clunky and it doesn't always make sense but it's fun and that's what movies are supposed to be sometimes you know i mean i've seen a lot of sci-fi camp that tried to capitalize off of the popularity of star wars that is like literally unwatchable and i don't think this is that <laughs> so that that's my plug for sure there um, you go you, you kind of already sum this up a little bit but just i guess like if you had to say it like in a sentence what about this film like keeps you coming back to it why why do you think you've seen it so many times um i think it's a it's definitely like a comfort food movie like it's you know like it's just one of those things it's it's that mix of nostalgia and and memories of of my childhood you know um and but the, but but it's also like even though it's like a cheaply made movie and they ran out of money and stuff, there's still like, it's like, you know, Skeletor's not a CGI creation. He's an actor under a lot of makeup. And a lot of stuff looks good. I yeah. Mean, like, it's the production know, design on it's very good. You yeah. Know, considering what the, their limitations too, you know, and the acting's good. Like the acting isn't bad. And in, when you see something like this, where you hear this like story behind it, where it's like they're running out of money, it's Canon films. Like, it doesn't really affect the movie aesthetically. And also, you know, like you said, the story may have some problems, but the actors do a good job and they're not phoning it in, which is yeah. like huge, you know? I, so like, I think that kind best. of propels it forward. <laughs> yeah. They're doing their best. It's funny that you said the, uh, the, the story, like bringing up the story is that there's a video that somebody put out a couple of years ago that cracked me up because it's, it, they did a whole series of these uh, where they said, this movie is actually just this movie. Um, and they did one that was the Marvel's, the Avengers, like the first Avengers movie is actually just masters of the universe. And they literally <laughs> go down like beat for beat of why these two movies are exactly the same, which it cracks me I up because like that. at the time, you know, the Avengers made like a billion dollars and like, but they, it, it starts out with basically saying the Tesseract is the exact same thing as the cosmic key is that they're both like the MacGuffin of their movie. And, oh, you know, they, sure. you know. And and but then <laughs> but then they compared like Loki to Skeletor, and it was like one of those things where I was like, you know, they're being funny, like they're trying to make a joke, and they're not like being too insulting. They're just having a good time. But I was like, yeah, but you're also making a lot of valid points here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some there's some truth to that. I have to watch that. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. What what's your like elevator pitch? Like pretend like you had to talk me into watching the movie or you you're pitching the movie to me. Like how, how do you, how do you pitch this to someone that may not have seen it before? There are people like me that haven't seen it before. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would do it in a personal way where I would pitch it of like, this movie was my starting point. Yeah. And, and, and because every, because most of the people that I talk to, they wind up talking to me and they realize that I'm 
obsessed with movies. I'm currently, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm logging every single film I'm, I'm watching in the year 2021. And I'm already about to hit like 200 movies. Oh um, my God. Impressive. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks pandemic for, you know, not a lot of work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I, it's for me, it's like a, to- a totem movie um, where I think everybody, everybody has those movies that like, if you want to know someone better, you will watch this movie. You know what I mean? Everybody has those movies. Like, it's, I, there's that saying in High Fidelity. He's like, it's not about what you are like. It's about what you like. He's like, call me shallow. But movies, music, TV, those things are actually important. Even though it sounds really shallow. It's like, I think there's a truth to that in, in, a, in a way of like, yeah. everybody has these certain movies will, will are a doorway into who, how I came to be who I am. And for me, it's like, like the RoboCop's one of them and, and Masters Universe is definitely one of them because it's this, it's part B movie, low budget schlock, but also this epic fantasy. And it's like, um, and then also what you took out of it was teen drama. You know? <laughs> I know um, I was really focused on that for some reason. But, but that, that, see, but they put great. that in there because <laughs> they knew that part would speak to me. <laughs> there you go. Like, but that's in that, in, right there. The fact that you and I are having this conversation and you and I are getting completely different experiences out of the exact same movie. It's not like you saw a different version and I saw it. It's like we watched the exact same movie and that we got something different out of it. And I feel like I completely run away from your elevator pitch. No, you're fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> I think it's, I would for say, me personally, it's a doorway for me, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, like, I think for whatever reason, like I said, I never grew up really watching this. But the second I mentioned it on the Internet, everyone was freaking out, like so excited. <laughs> Definitely made me want to watch it more. So, I mean, I think, you know, it's a nostalgic movie for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, you're getting to see that. Um, I, I think... I don't know. It's like there's some touchstone movies that like represent certain eras. And I definitely after seeing this think it, it does. It made me want to like watch, you know, never ending story again. And like yep. just like a lot of you know, fantasy was big. And I feel like yeah. fantasy is kind of about to come back quite a bit, um, well, especially it, it, with Marvel going into magic more and stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I think I think it, but there's something there was something about 80s fantasy because it was all like, you know, like rear projection and practical effects <laughs> yeah, and, and, true, and true, matte true. paintings there was just the, the artistry of of doing like a fantasy movie in, in that time it just it's like it's never looked like that again you know Very like true. there's been great fantasy since i mean like i think the 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 lord of the rings trilogy is one of the greatest achievements in all of cinema and is required viewing if you're a movie fan in my opinion but it's still and it was also i think that that series was made at this perfect time where CGI and digital effects had come to a point where they could be really convincing and, and used as a good tool. But he also, the Peter Jackson also used guys in suits and makeup and, and made in real things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in New Zealand and, and Weta, you know, and all that. And so that was like a perfect time to make that, but that still as great as it is still doesn't look like Willow never ending story masters of the universe. It I still agree. doesn't have that, that there's, it just, it, and you just can't, and it's not, and that's yeah. not even a discredit against any movie made after. It's just that, like, there's something about the era that movies are made in that stick to it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that, and I think I the think 80s things ebb and flow, that. though. So I think, like, I think things we may start to see things get really colorful and magical again soon, because I think I, think 
I think I things happen it. in waves. Like, you know, like we'll have like this really big sci-fi kick for a while and everything is sci-fi and everything is really serious or everything's really grounded and then things get fantastical again. Like, I think that happens in cinema where there's, there's different, like, you know, like, like what Marvel does where there's different waves of like, sure. Yeah. So yeah, for faces, they'll, definitely, yeah. So they'll definitely circle back. And I, I hope, I hope those movies do well. And I'm, I, I welcome all of them. I, you know, I always want more of them, but it's, yeah. But it, it, it's still never gonna look exactly how it did in the '80s when they had. I get that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah, where I'm. Yeah, it's got I'm, its own thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I so I just I'm always gonna love that, and I I feel like I've seen most of them. If I, you know, if people are listening and want to make suggestions on other movies of that nature, you know, to to watch. The only one I, I can I def- think of that Nick and I sometimes watch that <laughs> it's not the same as this movie, but like. I guess like made maybe around this time and is sci-fi and fantasy and like kind of weird is uh, like crawl. Crawl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's crawl. The and world. Like legend and dragon yeah. slayer. Yeah. Like all those yeah. movies. They're just, it's just fun. It's just fun. Yeah, it's and fun. it's, you know, and it was, yeah. A lot of times it was style over substance, but like sometimes that's all you need, you know? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Mike, this is a really good conversation. I would say an education, and uh, <laughs> I feel like I am also becoming a master of the universe. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. You're definitely going to have to come back again. Maybe we'll talk Street Fighter or whatever else uh, you you want to discuss. But happy to have you back soon. Thanks for thanks for having me. This was like tons of fun. I like really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm.